0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, Grant, from Fellowship Blades.
1: I am Dalen from MachineWise. I'm David
2: from Contraption Collection. And I'm John from Triaxis.
3: All right, how are we doing? Good. Let me tell you about the prices of cereal. All right. Oh, why? tell me, John.
0: <laughs> tell me, John, the,
3: about that. Why does the box of family size cinnamon toast crunch cost like seven dollars?
0: Like, does it really now? How oh, sh- inflation wow. and then inflation. And so then like I I get,
3: yeah, I get the whole Ukraine grain thing, but like the family size is as big as like the big size from like two years ago, and yeah. I'm on to you guys. Like I'm noticing. Oh yeah. I
1: mean, on that note, who actually buys not the family size? Nope,
3: I don't know. It's Too if small. You, if you Everything bought the normal size, small. you'd you'd run out in a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I,
1: three bowls worth. Yeah. The cereal I like
2: is like granola with like dates in it. And I, I feel like it's only in some smaller than even normal size box.
0: Yeah. 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 Yep. But the family size box is really just personal size. And Yeah. <laughs> true. Getting expensive. Yeah. Family
1: of one. I see we're really starting out strong with this podcast talking about cereal. Mm-hmm. This is the, This is the breakfast podcast. It's always been a breakfast podcast. You know, these oh. days,
2: I've just been making banana smoothies for breakfast.
0: Yo, it's, smoothies? it's actually the... pretty good. <laughs> it's the Carbite Podcast. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's
2: Carbite,
1: the carb-ite cod- cod- <laughs> Podcast. Yeah. Grant, you can see yourself out. It's okay. Thank you. Yep. I'll, I'll you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, uh,
2: so yeah, <laughs> almond butter, some bananas, cinnamon, honey.
1: That sounds uh, really good, honestly. Spe-
0: speaking of cinnamon, honey, uh, John, how's the Haas doing?
3: Oh yes, the Haas. Uh, I finished like an hour ago. I don't know how many days I oh, worked wow. on it. Like like 10, two weeks, ten days. I feel like eleven days. I don't even know.
1: It's been a long time. Yep.
3: And I definitely did not anticipate it taking that long. And like halfway through it, I was like, "Why is this taking so long?" <laughs> well, t- tell us what
2: the problem is first, because I I don't think you were having the problem the last time we did the podcast.
3: No, I wasn't. I just finished fixing the surface grinder. <laughs>
0: oh right oh, gosh. oh poor john you've really had a month or two so i
3: had yeah i had, a, yeah, I had a, like a pretty good week of making knives before i decided to tear into it and then like that was like mistakes um so <laughs> basically the haas kept giving me like a residual pressure alarm and that's for like the grease system or like the axis grease if you will so haas used to use grease to lube like all the linear rails and uh linear bearing trucks and they switched to a really heavy weight gear oil like i don't know seven months ago pretty quietly they just discontinued the grease and it was like it's this now here you go without kind of saying why and basically there's these little restrictors at each of the linear bearing uh bearings essentially that are a set screw and grease gets forced through the set screw and that's supposed to be the metering device that like gives
2: thread gaps
3: yep yep and that's a little crazy and the set screw i think is like a 256 or like a 080 or something it's oh my god i want to say it's 256 but
0: um and you're telling me this clogs no way
3: yeah (laughs) And the worst part is like once you've once I finally got to them, I was expecting like, you know, you some people are like, I had the entire line clogged, it was full of purple grease and whatever. And like, you know, I'm taking the the trucks the the copper fitting, the copper line off. And there wasn't even like grease in it. So I'm like, what is actually clogged? Like I took apart all these things and you get to the restrictors and like you know, one's okay, like there's actually this, the new oils flowed all the way through it, and then the other one's like, there's like a little bit of air maybe, like where it would actually seep into the bearing, but it doesn't make you immediately go, yeah, this thing's clogged, like none of them did that, except one of them on the Z-axis, but, and I took them apart, you know, like cleaned them, everything, and a couple of them had like, what looks like old red RTV that was like in the threads, of the set screws, which I imagine is actually like the purple grease turned to wax or something. And I mean, these pieces are, you could just mistake them for like debris, like they're so tiny that I'm like, is this really what's causing (laughs) this thing to clog? Mm -hmm. So anyways, did all the axes, and the only one that was obvious was the Z axis is being actually clogged. And it's crazy because like I had to shave six wrenches down like the head of them on the on the belt belt sander. Oh my god! And access to it it's like pretty bad, especially the Y axis uh, bearings because they're so far under the table that you had to take all the sheet metal off and then like lay on your side and <laughs> lay on your side for like four hours.
1: Nice.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my yep. god! So, so that was that was fun. And if anyone needs any help, they can shoot me a message. But and it's it's funny posting it how many people have had the same issue and people are mm-hmm. like, Yeah, I've seen quotes for like over five grand for Haas to come out and actually fully tear down and like unclog the thing. And I'm like, Well, that's kind of insane. And uh Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah,
0: that's wild. Yeah.
3: Yep. I was definitely questioning life choices at, at some points during it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But especially, it's all good now. Especially it's all good now, but especially the drama when I broke one of the uh, lines. Yes. Mm. For the for the like the back left Y-axis linear bearing. So yep. So the the linear bearings, I did not know anything about them until I had to become very personal with one, but <laughs> on on the Haas they're, they got two end covers, and the end covers hold in these tracks, and the tracks like basically go into the metal center section, and the tracks hold ball bearings, and grease is forced into these little tracks or whatever, and the ball bearings pick up the grease, and they roll along the linear rail, um, and as they roll, they actually roll the ball bearings through the linear bearing through this these tracks or whatever, and there's like 60 ball bearings, So what ended up happening is the plastic covers at the end, there's a square nut, like a floating square nut, where the copper line and the restrictor threads into. Mm -hmm. I ended up breaking that because I was trying to put a grease gun on the end of one and pump it with grease, because that's what you can do to unclog the truck or the restrictor itself. Mm. But the thread... For these restrictors are metric or the thread into the, the bearing the bearing itself is metric so I went to Arbor Freight and got metric grease fittings well <laughs> metric grease fittings have a different outside shape than, so, grease circ, sorry they have an a different outside shape than an imperial grease circ but oh, gosh. it doesn't look like that on first glance, it's not like I sat there comparing the two because I just right? assumed of course that a grease gun works with any style <laughs> greaseer, So I got stuck on it and in the process of me trying to, you know, you basically have to take the grease gun and put it at like a 45 degree an- angle. Sometimes to get them to snap off the, the circ. It mm-hmm. ended up breaking the plastic around the square nut and causing it to basically disappear into mm. the, it's little channel or whatever. And you can't, you can't see it because of where it is in the y-axis. And it's like three feet away from your head at the closest. And so you're looking at it and you're like, well, I must have stripped the threads (laughs) because you're like, nothing threads. So yeah, it was, there's a lot of debate about, oh, I just, you know, helicoil it, whatever type thing, Mm -hmm. but you can't really reach in there. And then I was like, I don't remember what, my final like fix was gonna be on like day three, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna start assembling it." And I'm under there messing with it. Oh, I know what it was. I'm I was vacuuming the front of it because when it broke, I could hear it snap. Like I heard something snap, plastic breaking. And so I was like, "Oh well, I better <laughs> vacuum out the plastic pieces in there. <laughs> oh. That way they don't go into the bearing because." Again, I didn't know what they actually looked like internally because I'd never seen one before. So I'm vacuuming this thing up and like I can hear the vacuum picked up this like giant plastic chip out of the bearing and I was like, "Oh, that thing's really broken. I should probably figure out like actually what's wrong with it." Oh my gosh. And I ended up seeing a part number on the side of it and from there I pulled up the catalog for it and then which was good because it showed, like, literally how it was assembled and everything. It's a very in-depth catalog. Like, even, I mean, there's everything in it from, like, maintenance Mm -hmm. stuff to how it works to even the material of each part of the bearing. So that was, like, good to know. And I was like, okay, well, I probably have to take it off because since I can see on this diagram that it's a square nut, it's obviously broken the area where that nut was being held. And then that was, like... Kind of, I was definitely like in over my head a little bit because I didn't know anything about (laughs) taking anything like physically off the table, like any of the mechanical parts of the machine. And so after some Googling, someone was like, Yeah, you just jack one corner of the table up, unbolt the thing, and slide it out. I was like, No, it can't be that easy. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds too easy. And uh, yeah, it was that easy. So I just, you know, on. unbolted the thing at this point it i had full access to it because all the sheet metal was off used like a half 13 bolt and nut to like make a really tiny machinist jack and then uh just put like a little like hand type pressure on the jack essentially unbolted it and then i could move it with my hands and i was like oh sweet like this is not a big deal and then just open the back of the machine, which has like a really easy access to the back of the Y axis, uh, linear rails and slid it off. But, um, you need one of those, like there, you need to match the shape of the linear rail to, you need like a fake linear rail to catch the bear, the actual bearing. Yeah. Itself I was gonna on. Say you lose all mm-hmm. the balls. Yeah. Cause some of them are designed to, they're like captured inside and they won't fall out. And these ones aren't. So if you do that, You'll literally drop every single one of those ball bearings out, and if that had happened, you'd probably be kind of screwed unless you knew exactly what what the count was. Because the manual, the one thing the manual missed was the ball bearing count and each channel's count of ball bearings. So it ends up being like thirty on each side, but it's was it thirty? Or was it 60? It's 60 per side and it's 30 per channel. So there's an uh up, there's a top channel and a low channel per side. So it ends up being like a lot of ball bearings. Yup. Jeez. Yep. So so I got that out and then I was like, yo, yep, this thing's broken. <laughs> I'm gonna 3D print an insert for it and slap oh. it all back together. But luckily the plastic covers are identical, they're mirrors of each other. So, you could literally just take the back cover, which was the the top bolt where the grease fitting is, like on the inboard side, has no, um, it doesn't actually do anything. It just sits there and floats. So, there's actually no mechanical th- like clamping going on with that top bolt. So, okay. you could, yeah, you can literally just take it and swap it over and you've, even though the bad one is still on there on the back, it doesn't do anything because that's not what's isn't that, that's not what's actually holding those uh the tracks in or whatever so i figured 3d printing something that holds a square nut in and then just putting you know the bolt uh back on it on the back side wasn't going to hurt anything because like i said it literally just sits there that the nut on the back side is literally just to hold it in there and then keep it sealed so yeah and then did all that Dropped a couple of ball bearings like on the table, which led me to take the entire thing apart because I lost count of which, where they came from. Cause, <laughs> you know, there's no identifiers on them. They're just ball bearings. And I was like, uh-huh. oh no, did three drop out of the left side? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yep. So did my best not to get them dirty and then put it all back together. And that was like a three day affair all by itself.
1: So, jeez. Wow. Oh yep. my gosh. But Did you look to see how much a new truck costs?
3: The problem, as I understood it in the manual, is their match set to the rail.
1: Ah, yes.
3: And mm. I think you could buy one, but I kind of was like, I, I don't. I think I understand it as the ball size themselves are matched right. to the rail, but you could probably oh. give them everything. Like, you have and then there's also a tolerance value on these so all that and maybe they can just send you one and then you can also individually buy that back cover too okay you know how the lead times and stuff like that is
1: yes that's the main problem right yeah yeah
3: so good times
1: well hey bright side it's all working again right
3: yeah you know what's interesting is the z-axis uses the exact same size linear bearings which is Kind of crazy to me, because if you, like, I had the Z-axis all apart, and, like, the actual height, like, from the spindle down, where everything is bolted to, is so tiny. Like, it's only, like, a foot and a half worth of subplate, I think they call it, that's actually bolted to the trucks or whatever. And I was like, it's crazy to think that, I don't know how heavy that actual, the motor, the spindle, and all that stuff weighs, right. but, like. It going up and down all day on those bearings is is pretty crazy. And that the fact that they're all spec the same. Yeah.
1: I guess they're a lot more rigid and beefy than we give them credit for. Just going really yeah. off of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
3: some yeah, and there's no real uh wiper, as I understand them, on them. And there's just like a front cover that has it's like where the grease sits. And it's it is a wiper, I guess. I guess per the per the manual, what do they call it? Like a, they use a different word, but it's not like an actual like. There's a felt wiper or anything that keeps micro contaminants out. Like tiny abrasive chips from like grinding, essentially, will go in the truck because there's nothing that keeps it wiped. Essentially, there's a there's a pocket of grease on the front of the truck that'll push stuff away. But if you have enough tiny abrasive, it'll go right under the like, under the bearing, and then get caught, picked up by the uh, the balls themselves inside.
1: Oh, that That's great with all the hard milling we do.
3: Yeah, honestly, hard <laughs> milling chips are, are pretty big compared to, like, if you're grinding
1: type mm-hmm. thing, but... That is fair. Yep,
3: yeah, so, just something to keep in mind, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, people who grind ceramics.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, the way covers are, like, the only line of defense.
3: Yeah so that was that was fun and then got it all back together and i just indicated everything and it was right where it was supposed to be and
1: nice yeah
3: the Z axis stopped making its weird noise that it's been making for like four months and then i haven't oh, done oh. the y-axis noise that i was talking about uh last time i haven't done any circles because that's where it really makes the noise but i'm under the impression it has gone away essentially
1: Okay. Yep.
3: So, good times. Interesting. Yep. The rails were basically bone dry when I took oh. everything apart. Nothing oh. was damaged or rusted or anything, but like right. There was literally no film of oil on them. Like you couldn't
1: You could you could eat off of it. Basically. Gosh. Yeah. So, I guess that noise you were hearing was just it being dry and unhappy.
3: Yeah, I'd imagine. Gosh. Yep. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that, was my, that was my 10 days. Well, nice. I'm,
1: I'm glad it's over, and I didn't even do it.
3: Same. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Like,
1: every day, I would see your stories, and I'm like, please don't be more of this, and it's more of this. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, John, I'm so sorry.
3: Yeah, I just said, uh, I honestly, like, I've had so many of these, like, tiny little things come up, and I don't know if it's because I don't run the machine enough, or if it's just, like, I unlucky but as far as like preventative maintenance go I'm pretty on top of it I feel like for a lot of machines but I don't know I just don't run it as much as some people so I'd imagine it it's sitting and not running through a full full travel is pretty detrimental for the thing but something that was interesting in the manual for the things is it actually recommends doing like a full wipe of the rails every day so like actually full length of travel for every single axis, just once, but it's to like coat the rail with grease on mm. parts that you never use. Which ah. to me, like I never i would never use the last four inches of Z travel, so right. it's never been wiped, essentially. Which is huh. kind of an interesting thing, but it says it's to keep it from like actually clogging, I guess. Very and keeping the rails clean, which kind of makes sense if you stuck a bunch, stacked a bunch of loose chips on the bottom of the rail and suddenly you needed to use all that z-axis and then you just ate up all those chips with the bearings yeah probably wouldn't be good but
1: oh how many hours are on your haws i have no
3: idea but it's not as many as somebody who would have you know actually ran the thing for right it's it's a late 2019
1: okay so you've had it for four years yeah okay
3: yep Damn, I can't believe it's been four years.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah,
3: don't remind oh God.
1: Me. Time is scary.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, sounds like you got a bunch of stuff going on over there, Dayland.
1: I do. Yes. Lathe is running. So that's good. Nice. Yep. Lathe Ooh. is running as we speak, actually. um, I've been, I've been going through the hell that is figuring out Torx patterns.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, specifically the hell of trying to machine them with only six thousand rpm life tooling hmm yeah um but I think I've potentially dialed into a reliable tool life um my first iteration of it so it's the radius on the like on the on the peaks of the torx pattern for a t fifteen is twenty seven thou uh so I had so I purchased a twenty five thou off the shelf end mill from Harvey yep
3: I know all about this it sucks.
1: <laughs> yes yes it does um yeah, so my like,
3: you're like you can't be that small please no
1: it, it, right because yeah you also do is it t15s on your on your lathe
3: no it's actually on the mill they're their eight. oh you do it on
1: the mill oh t8s great yeah
3: so yep. so i use like a one sixty fourth end mill which is like 15 yep. i think
1: uh-huh yep yep, yep. so um. Yeah, the main limiting factor right now is the fact that I only have 6,000 RPM on my live tooling blocks. Um, I'm looking into trying to find a speeder right now, because I need like twenty to 30,000 RPM.
3: What yeah, yeah. is the the reason for, is it the speed at which one takes, or is it the quality of the torques itself?
1: Uh, so, uh, what was the question exactly?
3: So, like, why do you want more speed? Is it because they're oh, well, going too slow or, like, surface finish-wise?
1: It's primarily... So it's it's both and neither. The The primary issue right now is tool life.
3: Oh, yeah, you did say that, didn't you?
1: Yeah, so... Right, so my first iteration was I used... Uh, so, back up a little bit. I have four live tooling blocks on this lathe. One on the main spindle in Z, one for the sub-spindle in Z, and then two in X, which are useless to me right now. Mm-hmm. So I only have one per per spindle basically so i can't do like a rougher and a finisher yep uh, so my first iteration was use this 25 thou end mill do a tiny little 2d adaptive to clear it out and then do a a ramp down contour to finish the profile all with mm-hmm. the same tool yep and that on top of it being like but like total cycle time on the first iteration of screw was like 12 minutes flat mm-hmm. which is pretty bad when you think that, like a you know, if I got a citizen, like a Swiss lathe, I could have made these screws in probably thirty-five to forty seconds.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that aside, uh, I only got like forty parts out of that tool before it blew up. Yes, which is not nearly enough for what I need, obviously.
3: Yeah. Um, no, so
1: I... I've I've kind of reapproached my strategy for now, and I'm actually using a a, a three thirty seconds end mill to to just drill out the center because the like the inscribed ID circle of a T-15 is like 98 thou. Right. Um, So I'm, I'm just using a little three send mill to just pop a hole in the center of that Torx. And I'm just, and then now I'm just doing the ramp down contour with the 27 thou end mill. And it's so far working out pretty good. Nice. Okay. And you can you can see it in the image I sent. You might be able to see the little circle in the center where I drill just a little bit past on purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: I, I know oh, you hate yeah. drills, but have you considered a flat-bottom drill?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to buy some flat-bottom drills. Uh, I just don't have any right now, and I mm. just did this change today. I'm like, well, I have 3.30 seconds, then, Mills. If I run it slow, it shouldn't explode on me. Right. So that's why I'm using those right now. I'm going to order some tomorrow uh, if this works out over this next run. Nice. Because I have another 100 running right now, which should take about 10 hours.
2: Didn't you run some overnight the other night?
1: Yeah, so Friday, let's see here. Friday night was the first real, like, quote-unquote production run, and that was of Screws. Screws? No, that was of Pivots, actually. So I ran an overnight run of Pivots. And I came in on Saturday. And I lost, like, half the run because the diameter started creeping out, probably from toolware. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have to I have to figure that out as well. But um, and then I got screws running on an overnight run, and I only got about forty before that tool broke. So tonight we're gonna see if my changes have made any any improvements on tool life.
2: And does the machine stop when you're, you know, don't get that Torx cut?
1: No, there is no there's no uh, there's no way to probe in process, unfortunately.
2: So you made a bunch of screws with no Torx.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, man. Nice. The stock is inexpensive, so it's not the end of the world. It's just kind of part of late things. Yeah. Yep. I'm thinking I'll probably end up getting a, 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 a turret probe at some point and then just probing the Torx pattern to see if there's, you know, metal not there. Maybe mm-hmm. so. Does it, it seems like, like, like it load seemed like monitoring? You... Oops, sorry. What's that?
3: Could you do something with load monitoring and like a <laughs> fake... A fake bit or something.
1: Um, I probably could, and I might try that. I know Grimsmo does that on on his or did that way back in the day on his Nakamura.
3: That must be where I heard it from.
1: Yes, um, that's something I should try before I get a probe. I, it's unfortunate because it has a it has a tool probe, but it's not an automatic swing down. so you have right. to pull it down manually to use it right. Mm. Now something I didn't really think to ask until after I purchased it. And they're like, nope, doesn't do that. I'm like, great, cool. Unreliable night runs. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, pre- like,
3: that's pretty common on lathes for some reason. Right? It sounded, it sounded like uh, you thought,
2: you know, it wouldn't take you necessarily a ton of time to uh, to make your hardware, and so you'd you'd be able to make other stuff on your lathe. Do you really need to do night runs with it yet?
1: Um. Yes. I need all of the hardware always forever. Uh, also, okay. if I have a machine... It's going to run overnight or I'll lose my mind trying to make it do so. It's a bar fed lathe. It's like it's an automated system. It's designed for stuff like this. I just have to get my programs and my processes dialed in enough for it to do it. Yeah, As, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, if, I I don't know. I if I buy a machine, I want to utilize it 110 yeah, percent. You could just
2: you could just maybe give it a week. It's all I thought, but
1: <laughs> I've had it. It's been on my floor for two weeks.
2: Uh, okay, okay.
1: It's only been running since well, it yeah, the first chips it made were Wednesday last week, so it's we're, we're nearing a week already. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine.
2: And it's still probably not ready to run any HAAS stuff overnight.
1: It's. I mean, there's a difference too because you're not really doing production yet. Yeah. Like my, I'm not buying hardware elsewhere now. So our production is like reliant on this hardware now. Yeah. So no, I get you. Yeah. And it it seems
2: like it seems like you got to figure out how to speed up the the Torx thing.
1: Right. So like right now it's so make it work, make it pretty, make it reliable. Or sorry, I think- that was wrong. <laughs> that was entirely wrong. <laughs> Make it work, make it reliable, make it fast in that order. There you go. Um so right now ne- right now I'm on make it reliable. And then I'll make it fast. But surely there's a speeder out there for these for these live tooling blocks.
2: Yeah, maybe something air powered or well, coolant powered even.
1: So these blocks are gear driven already. Can't there just be like a like a a step down or maybe a yeah a step down in 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 the gear ratios to just make it spin faster
2: yeah maybe yeah Yeah, that's what
0: isn't that what speeders typically are
1: usually right well i mean there's there's like through spindle coolant speeders there are air speeders as well like i think grimsmo bought an air speeder for his tornos sure yeah
0: Uh, the only ones i've ever worked with are just a planetary gear basically yeah
1: yeah so i don't know i'm gonna I have. I'm trying to figure out how to look through Eppinger's catalog right now, which is the company that makes my current live tooling blocks. But I'm I'm going to put out some some feelers to various companies about trying to find a speeder.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Like that, it's not by default way higher RPM because it's like, how big of tool do they think people are running in these live tooling blocks?
1: Oh, much bigger than what I'm doing. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> the smallest. <laughs> so I mean,
1: for reference. Well, I I, I guess
2: you could. Like, what's
1: the through bore on it? This is a like a two and a half inch diameter through bore lathe. But
2: I I I guess I could see someone needing to use a half inch tool. But I
1: don't know if you're if you're in chucker mode, you can go up to I think eleven or twelve inch diameter on this machine.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's it's like it should be roughly the same size as as John's lathe.
2: Yeah. But it's still like, you know, people run aluminum, too. You know, it, 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 seem, it seems like 10,000 RPM would be a better place to to pick than 6,000.
1: Well, these these live tooling blocks, they have a limited life, like to the point where the companies that make these blocks actually have a refurb program where you, mm-hmm. st- you send them in to get refurbished. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, how, I think how, the rule of thumb is like if it sounds bad or if it gets really hot, then send it in. How
0: How is your live tooling block driven? Is it with that, like, flathead? Uh, yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. uh,
1: BMT-45. It's just like a drive dog.
0: Yeah, those those have a very limited RPM range, uh, or at least a maximum RPM range. And right. And they're very tight-toleranced. So, yeah, like, if they get too hot and they gall or something, it completely breaks everything it touches. Yeah. So... You can't you can't oh. run that at ten thousand RPM, which is probably why the whole thing is at right.
1: five or yeah. six thousand. Yep. And I mean, mm. in terms of like tooling size, these blocks come with a with a uh, face mill arbor by default.
2: Maybe yeah. they could run faster if they used a set screw to put grease through it.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll pass on that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know someone who doesn't like that very much.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mine on on my lay, they're kind of the same. It's a big, heavy, gear-driven thing, but it kind of makes sense because the they're enclosed or whatever, and they're probably grease-packed. And then the fact that you're trading speed for torque at some like, I would imagine the majority of customers would be angry if you had 10,000 RPM. But if you spun it at 10,000 RPM, you couldn't even take like a 10 percent
1: get the cut. You know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, so I'm going to try to find a speeder or figure something out. But uh, in the meantime, it's running and hopefully it's running like if it if it runs reliably, if I can get, you know, a couple hundred parts out of one end mill with this system, I'm I'm more than happy with that because 200 parts would be like a 30 hour run or something. Yeah, yeah that's not bad.
2: When I start making three 30 sec or three sixteenths inch pivots or whatever, I'm definitely going to buy a mill turn, you know.
3: Like a Williman,
2: yeah you probably well should, no oh, th- that actually would be a smart idea i meant like a big mazak um, uh, yeah, he, was, he was
3: making a joke
1: <laughs> i get it i get yep. it yep over my head a little bit i mean yeah for for our hardware a swiss lathe would have absolutely been the better decision um but you but didn't you buy I... that
3: lathe just to make hardware though to come back on no, here it's
1: the it, hardware is the is like the primary factor for it But uh, pens are going to end up being a big portion as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I
1: probably could have gotten away with getting like a like an L twenty citizen, which can go up to twenty millimeter diameter. Um, but they usually they usually want to come with like twelve foot bar feeders, and a twelve foot bar feeder would not fit in my shop. Hmm. I could have gone probably for like a six foot. I don't know. I don't. I don't love the Swiss life. Yeah,
3: Yeah, it's it's got its own.
2: No, I I think having a regular lathe to start with is, like, a better starting point.
1: Depends on who you ask. Like, from just an efficiency standpoint, I definitely made the wrong decision, but I still don't (laughs) regret it. I mean, it'll be
2: interesting to see what you think in a year. Yeah, exactly. Hindsight is always interesting.
1: Because, I mean, the price would have been about the same, so... Yeah. Yep. But, uh... Outside of that, everything's running well. The hot shot oven that we have, Grant. Yeah. We can't figure out how to program it. What, Does yours just do you work? F-
0: uh, I mean, no, I programmed it, but he just
3: yeah, he just so... asks it. He just tells it when metal is well,
1: right. So <laughs> <he's> heat treating. <laughs> so our machinist, who's doing our heat treat right now, Jacob. Uh-huh. Um, we've had this oven for a couple months, probably. Right. And we can't program it.
2: This is like the one made by like American Rotary or something.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we, which... we cannot program it. It'll either overshoot by like 50 to 100 degrees. Huh. Um, that's our primary issue. So he keeps trying to dial that in and then other things happen. So like I just tried to do a temper run in it at 500 degrees. It got to 750. old oh, what is it? Did you just say brand that? new?
3: That uh, sounds like the thermistor is bad in it or whatever. The actual yeah. temperature probe.
0: Yeah, it it's, sounds like there's an actual problem.
1: Was
2: it 250 degrees in Phoenix,
1: though? No. Uh, so this is the second one that we have from them, actually. Uh, we had really? to return the first one because the door wouldn't close. Oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah. Um. So I was, yeah, I was just kind of curious because, like, you, you have to program it with your phone, right? Uh,
0: you don't have to. It's It is nicer on the phone, but you can do it on the control.
1: Really? Uh, okay.
0: Yeah, well, what, what controller do you have? Is it the touchscreen? Or not touchscreen. Uh, no, it is touchscreen.
1: Nope, yeah. this one is not touchscreen.
0: Okay, that's different. I have a different controller than you do then. I think uh, uh, mine yeah, is we... the Pro 360, which has okay. the touchscreen.
1: Interesting. Okay, yeah, we more or less have to use our phone. Like, it has some buttons on a tiny little LCD panel. Or not even LCD, just a, you know, standard whatever those... Mm-hmm number panels are um then like he's been playing with the tolerance to try to get it to not overshoot as much but then it won't do other things and like we have yet to get a single reliable usage out of it
3: yeah it's definitely got to be the temperature sensor itself because it obviously like if it doesn't know where it's at it has no idea what to do
0: with Uh, itself
1: it 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 seems to be reading accurately like it reads ambient very accurately yeah. yeah well yeah Ooh. and it's and like it's not bouncing around it's just not doing what it's programmed to do and i i i don't know why it's the most frustrating thing
0: yeah i mean it's, I, if it's
3: new i would uh warranty it
0: yeah i can't I, probably I mean, mine's been working amazing interesting i mean i'll reach no back complaints. out to him again
1: tomorrow um it's probably too late to warranty. Unfortunately, we've used it for a couple months now. You know, I mean, it did the burn-in cycle perfectly.
0: Hmm.
1: So yeah, I'm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, th- I don't have to think about that. I mean, our ours has literally been flawless since day one. The only things that we've had issues with is whenever like we have we have really wide bags. They're like the six yep. by. Uh, another eight by twelve now because we put yeah. like, five blades in at a time, um, and you can touch the sides, which is the coils. And if yep. you if you short, short them, you'll burn up the coil. So I've yep. I've replaced like three coils at this point because he wow. Hitting, well, this is entirely on like learning process for yeah yeah. You know, creating a process, exactly. but Zeep kept burning them out. So I was like, okay, let me just replace them. And finally, figure it out. Nice. Um, okay. But yeah, other than that, it's been working really, really well. Um, it's very accurate. No okay. issue. So I would bet it's something with, you know, the thermistor or the thermocouple or something on that
1: note. Man. Or maybe okay. even the controller itself. I mean, if it's, I mean, yeah, if it is another warranty one, that's a little bit un, like, disappointing because this is the second one already. Yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah, the first one, um, you know, the little, like, like, plasma cut or like water jet v-shaped thing that lines up the two doors yeah, yeah 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 it was it was riveted in place incorrectly so they wouldn't close oh gosh
0: yeah yeah I, yeah my mine has zero issues so interesting
1: I... all right i'll i'll reach back out to him tomorrow or i'll reach out to him tomorrow and i need to dink around in the pro in the phone programming because i haven't even looked at it yet
0: the, the phone is really nice. Like, it shouldn't be hard to create a
1: program, but... So he doesn't have a problem creating it. He has a problem with it working properly, because it always overshoots or undershoots or fluctuates by 10 degrees up and down, and then it, like, it'll stop and wait for it to get back to temperature before it continues, so our tempers take, like, 12 hours, which is he obviously goes... not what a temper should do. Are yeah. you
3: running it off an extension cord?
1: Nope. It's, it's plugged directly into 110...
3: Which uh, model is it? Because I have one of the manuals pulled up, but it's kind of bare bones.
1: Um, I could go try to walk over there real quick. Let's see. I'm not sure off the top of my head.
3: HS-1200? I mean, there's obviously a bunch of them. That's the smaller one, I guess.
1: Let's find out. So it has the 360 control on it. Okay.
3: 360 control?
0: Uh, it's the HS 360 is one of the models.
1: Uh, okay. Oh, is it a Novus no- N20 Novis K48?
3: Controllers. That's the name of the controller. Novus. Yeah, yeah, and then the- 360 is the actual model.
1: Got it. Yeah, it's an N20 K40. <clears> hmm. <throat>
2: Well, uh, <laughs> this is riveting podcast content.
1: Yeah, right. Anyway, yeah, I've been having podcast or podcast. Good, good, good. I've been having uh, oven issues with that. thing.
0: Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry about that.
1: Yeah, hopefully we can figure it out. Maybe maybe it is just a bad. Thermocouple or whatever Reads the, reads the temperature, but. Yeah. So that's pretty much everything on my end. Everything's running pretty well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How about
2: you, Grant? Oh, it's been
0: busy. Uh I think. We launched a new well, dropping tomorrow, uh our new Knives. knife or trainer. Uh, yep, I'm so. looking forward to that. Yeah, it's it's really come into its own. I'm I'm quite happy with it. Um Yep. Yeah. Seventy seven five aluminum channel trainer. Uh one thing that everybody well there's two things that everybody latched onto that was not even like a part of my head uh-huh. which is always always how it works you, don't, you always don't think about that uh but the name it's it's called the hognose Yeah. um i don't think people get that it's a snake the hognose is a non venomous snake Yeah. Uh, and his head is shaped like a hognose just like the trainer is i didn't know that well it's, everybody on the comments was just like, that's a silly, weird name. That's odd. And I'm like, it's a it's really fitting when you, when you know what it, it, it is.
1: is. Yeah. I mean, I knew like, so I didn't know it was a snake. I knew immediately it was because of the blade.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the, yeah, I
2: got that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the blade looks like a nose, which coincidentally, I named it way after I made the design. Uh, right. I made the design. And in my all of my models, I just called it Gaboon V two because I was <laughs> yep. just inserting name, and I was like, I still like the Gaboon. Yeah. Um, but then I had this this epiphany where I wanted my trainers to be non venomous snakes, and ah. then my live blades are going to be venomous snakes. Oh, like, that's this cool. interesting. This is that's a turning really point. Cool. It's yeah. I was like that. It as soon as I said like said it aloud, it clicked. I was like, okay, this has to be a non venomous snake name. Uh, and then we have a lot of hog noses in Texas, and they do this thing where they coil up and they their head kind of looks like a cobra. So they yep. literally mimic a cobra, and every time you see it, you're like, why is there this cobra in my backyard in Texas? <laughs> uh, but it's actually like a really scaredy cat snake. Like, if you touch it, it'll flip <laughs> over and pretend it's dead, and stuff like that. Um, and it's obviously non-venomous. So that's I was like, all right, this is... The hognose makes total sense. pretty but, cute on Google. <laughs> yeah, it is It is a cute little snake. Um, but then, yeah, everybody, or a lot of people didn't quite get it, which I was like, hey, whatever. Um, and the other thing is, it's 3.2 ounces, which is definitely light, but uh, a lot of people think it's too light from just like briefly looking at it. Um,
1: right, I was a little surprised to see it at that weight, but I think it's going to flip great.
0: It flips really nice, and I will say the, the biggest thing that I like about it, um, cause, so, on my right hand, uh, I, I haven't told the story on the podcast or anything, but I've I basically half cut off my finger on my right hand, yep. and so I've got some, like, scar tissue that kind of makes my hand a little bit stiff sometimes, Right. and so if I flip a heavy knife oh, after a while, my index finger gets really tired, because uh, that's the one that I cut off, and the flipping this knife is literally the easiest thing in the world it is it is just easy to flip like there's i can flip it 24 hours out of the day and nice it's like super comfortable it doesn't you know it doesn't wear on you it just does what you want it to it doesn't like wear out your wrist like some really handle bias knives would kind of stuff
1: right right
0: um so it just it's really a pleasant flipping experience um okay. i'm very excited to to oh, get yeah. it into the wild
1: there's definitely um, a market for the lighter knives.
0: Well, yeah, and it's it's shorter too. It's uh it's the same size as the pit viper was, I think. Okay. So it's a quarter inch shorter than the Medusas, or or something. Oh, so maybe even a three eighths shorter than the Medusas.
1: So it's more or less standard size.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like, I think Squid Industries. Well, I don't know what their standard size is, but to to the to community standard size, it's a little yep. bit. That's, like, the normal size. Um, yeah,
1: so for reference, the Tsunami I'm flipping right now is about a quarter inch shorter than the Serif.
0: Yeah, so it should be about the size of Tsunami. That makes sense. Yep, yep. Um. Yeah, and it's got really cool geometry and stuff. Um. It, it's a little bit tricky to, like, model it in, and there was a lot of prep work, but as soon as I got the fixtures made, it, it was really pretty easy. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's,
1: the style's making them, right?
0: Yeah, the style's pumping them out. Uh nice. I think... A rough estimate, we should be able to get 60 if we like really crunched, but we should be able to get 50 reliably per week. um, That's awesome. Which is baller. So, yeah, it's kind of the saving grace of our company right now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I hope so. The post gained a lot of traction and I see a lot, like, I think it'll do really well.
0: Yeah, I hope so. And uh, I buy one tomorrow. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, Yes. Hopefully. Assuming I don't get beat to it. Yeah, I was like, I don't know how the drop's gonna be, because I haven't oh, had yeah, a drop maybe, sell maybe out like too. that in a while, but right. this one might.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um We'll find out. Are doing doing yeah, so uh, red? Yeah, I, I'm gonna do red for the first few drops, that, probably. Cool. It's just a really good red. Uh Yes,
1: yeah.
0: it is. Yeah, I finally got a good anodizer that gave me a natural nice quote, and that wasn't like three bucks per piece or whatever it was. <laughs> Yo, are they local? Uh, semi-local. I mean, it's Texas local. They're they're out do of have, Do you have to?
2: Uh, I've talked about anodizing so much. Do you care about the pivot hole changing from anodizing?
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't see that much of a change. Um, I, I believe right now our pivot hole is like a thou and a half oversized for what we. Uh, oh, really? For, for our um, pivots. And it pretty much held that. I mean, maybe it's a little bit tighter, but honestly, I couldn't tell. Is, so. that, yeah.
2: is that like what you do, uh, Dalen? Like a thousand so, and a half?
1: I don't know, honestly. So something to note as well <laughs> is uh, our pivot holes and our handles are not actual pivoting geometry. Unlike right. your handles. Um, we like... Well- because it's yeah, it, clamped it, together. It's it clamped move. together,
2: so it doesn't spin. The, the yes. bolt
1: doesn't spin. No, yep.
2: I, I did know that. So I don't want to say what... I'm working on a couple projects, but I think I shouldn't really say what yep. they are yet. Right. But of course, yep. they're, they're Bally adjacent. And so I've had to mess with a couple of uh, more normal pivot things. Yep. And uh, I put something together and like... You know, I was just using some random USA knife maker hardware, and uh you know, some of them, you know, I, I did pretty tight tolerances, and and uh, some of them uh, went together easily. But there's no torques on the the, uh, mm-hmm. the female side, and and that's what you guys say you like. But sometimes they would spin, and I was like, oh, well, are they making their pivot holes really tight so that they don't spin, or like no,
1: so? To combat that, just pinch the handles together while you're tightening the screw.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I thought the answer would be, but I don't think that works with my new design. Hmm. Uh, you guys can mess with it when yep. you get them, because I just yeah. shipped you, them today. Yes.
1: I'm excited for that.
2: I, I left them sort of loose, just in case. Okay. But I, I don't think the tolerances matter as much because of this design. Like right. We could talk more later, but but uh yes. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I'm excited so, so for that. sorry,
2: sorry, Grant. I was just curious about the. Oh,
0: no, you're good. Um, is is yeah, that I, the
2: same with you? Like, you you just squeeze the handles a bit.
0: So the um, these I didn't have that problem at all. Um, could be the pivot holes were just the right size, or something else, or it's pivots. But yeah, it, in general, if I'm tuning a knife that has that problem, um, I'll just squeeze the handles, and once it like gets tight, then it usually. You don't have to squeeze the handles; it'll it'll yeah. stay locked up. It'll
1: it'll bite. Right. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. So I I took Dalen's advice, well, not advice, but um, basically not caring about the anodizing and just machining it to where it should be, and yep. that That's seemed to do. work out pretty well. So yeah. Uh, yes. And uh, like so, like ch- our,
1: I'll go for it.
0: Well, so if it changed, it was a matter of a few tenths. It it wasn't really noticeable. Well I, I think
2: I, I think uh I thought that it was uh needed to be as critical as in the blades or close to as critical, but it sounds like it's it's not
1: as it's critical. Not as important. So I mean we, so we do still hold like I know we hold our 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 pivot holes roughly within a thou. Uh I know that because I was checking some of the pivots I was making and the ones that, that grew from toolware, they mm-hmm. got like eight tenths oversized and they wouldn't fit through our handles <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> nice yeah um, see what so I was doing yeah
1: Sorry, go ahead. Know, that's all
2: yeah I was I have uh, in front of me a little no go go holder and uh, what I was doing for the holes was one side is one eight eight and one side is one eight nine so
3: I was <laughs> I was trying to hold half a thou
1: mm. gotcha yep <clears throat>
3: You had them grow by eight tenths over how many parts?
1: Oh, my pivots. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? So I yeah, ran. Huge. I ran about a hundred, hundred and twenty-ish of them, hmm. and I was dialing in on the diameter. One thing that I did notice was I kept comping by a few tenths and not seeing a difference.
0: Mm.
1: Which was interesting on, because it on, wasn't that way when I was first setting up on them. Later. On different screws no on on my pivots
2: sorry um, but like it's on the on a different one or like you kept running it on the same one
1: no different ones every time
2: okay Okay. good good
1: yeah um and i wouldn't see a change i'd comp it you know two tenths smaller two tenths smaller then i went one thou smaller and it all kind of just totaled up in that one go which is weird because i know i'm not rubbing oh mm. Just um, what i was gonna say <laughs> yeah right uh, so I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm going to tomorrow after the screw run, I'll be sitting down a bit more. My thought is maybe because I'm using that same tool to face and I had to dial in Y quite a bit to get the little nublet gone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm going to stop facing with that tool and the fear that maybe when it gets to the zero surface footage at the center of a part, it would like chipped the insert or something. I need to look at, I haven't even looked at them really yet, honestly. So,
2: well, one, th- one thing I was trying to figure out when I was trying to like figure out how accurate my Tormach is, is a stiction where, you know, moving friction is less than static friction. And so if, if your lathe is kind of staying in the same place and you tell it to go a little further forward, it's going to have a lot harder time doing that, you know, than it, than if it's already moving. And so is it kind of, is, is the turret kind of staying in the same place over and over, or is it moving in and out constantly in each run?
1: Oh, I mean, first, like all of these machines are on all of our machines now are on linear rails for their bearings. Um, there I still think that's that
2: thing. Network. I've I've heard people talk about this with like, you know, giant machines. I, I think it's still a factor.
1: I've never once witnessed that on anything I've ran. OK, Um, and usually if I do, it's from backlash. I don't know, but no, that's, that's, I don't know. It's, it's super unimportant right now and I'm going to figure it out tomorrow.
3: Okay. Yeah. It might be something really simple.
1: Yes. Maybe it's my depth of cut for the finishing pass is too small. I, maybe I need ground inserts instead of, uh, instead of molded inserts.
3: I think the set screw for the two is clog personally. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's probably maybe the insert's right there. maybe the insert's loose or something.
3: Just just beating a dead horse now.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I don't know. I'll 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 have more to report throughout the week as I work on it. But
0: nice. I'm excited. I'm excited yes. to get your pivots.
1: <laughs> right. I, do you just want of, our pivots, or do you want different ones?
0: Uh, for the hog nose, it'll probably be your pivots because I think I'm using exactly what you were using. Cool. Um and speaking of that, I broke a T10 bit today on the fifth handle or on the fifth oh. knife I was assembling. And, and I under just, I totally yes. understand.
1: <laughs> Isn't it the best thing ever when a bit breaks and then you gouge a handle and you just want to throw it against the wall?
0: Yeah, uh, that was quite an experience cuz we I we've been I've been using T15 since I started with the battle uh-huh. Songs. Yep, here we me... go. <laughs>
1: Let me show you a picture that is one week of T10 carnage. Maybe two. Oh, gosh.
3: How do you guys break so many bits? I We have so many knives. I just ugga-dugga too hard. Ugga-dugga.
2: So I got, I got, you guys have like the four Newton meter, like torque wrench, you know, thing.
1: Yeah, I'm using and three, I, but yes.
2: And I got it in the mail and it's like, sweet, I want to try it out. And I immediately broke a bit what
1: was it like, like a, the... was it a pre-used one already oh my gosh
2: no I, i've I, it was like a t9 or something that like i usually use like a actual screwdriver not a bit so i probably like basically have never used it
1: so here's yeah. one thing to note like so i was looking up torque stuff along with martin my mechanical engineer who literal last job was in a screw manufacturing company so that's really beneficial Oh, mm-hmm. uh, so we were looking through torques uh specifications and it looks like the the torque for the max torque for a t10 is like three point three point two to like three point seven newton meters that makes sense and so like a t8 or a t9 is probably sub three and you said you were using a four newton meter one right
2: yeah and i think it was a t9
1: yeah so that's quite a bit over its threshold uh, so like we're at even on T15s, we're still using a three newton meter torque wrench, yeah. even though T15 four newton meter does fall within its range. I like I, three newton meter personally. I,
0: yeah, I, I I got four as the first one I tried, and it yeah. was oh shoot.
2: <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, well, let's maybe something's going on in his life. Um... Yeah, I guess I should try 3, but uh, I think there's also just lots of crappy bits out there.
1: Oh well, that too. Yeah. Oh, I was cool.
3: I was surprised like when I was doing torque for the like fixture bolts and actually looking at them, they're like what's a common bolt size? 832? Is that, that sounds yeah, yeah, common. Yeah, 832
1: there. is what we use, I believe, for all of our fixturing. Yeah, yep.
3: and I was like I was like, "Oh, what's the what's the torque rating on this thing?" And it was like 25 was the max inch pounds. And I was like, yep. oh, that's that's doesn't even feel like it's tight, which right. is very yeah. crazy to think that you know that much torque actually gives it the full amount of holding power, which well, I, even in itself is insane. But,
2: right, I don't, I um, I've been tightening pit bulls uh in an aluminum fixture for uh 832 to 35 inch pounds and that's gone fine for like a long time and i've also used 1032 and i also just all go to the same 35 inch pounds and uh, the other day i just keep wrecking 1032 screw or or the threads in the fixture i don't know why i haven't done anything different and so for the first time in years i i I think i'm going to try using helicoils
1: Oh, yeah, nice. They're super easy to install, fortunately. Um, is it the same fixture that you've been using that finally gave up the ghost?
2: No, I made a new fixture just to like mess around with stuff, Okay. and uh, the part with the 832s, absolutely fine, uh, but the part where I work on, like, I'll call it the blade of the project, yep. um, it, uh, I had to, like, just keep scooching it over, because I kept getting a thread that would just smoosh and like i could feel like i tighten it and then i just lose it i don't know what oh. the deal is interesting i got i got aluminum where half of it is like jello
1: <laughs> jello aluminum. i mean yeah, yeah all of our fixtures basically almost all the threads have helicoils in them at this point and some of them are so used that uh we actually had to put press fit inserts in because the helicoils stripped out as well oh my god yeah so we have programs to just uh pop a bigger hole wherever there's a screw hole and then just press fit inserts into it.
2: Damn. Yeah. Do you um uh, have any advice on like uh, drilling or tapping for the helicoils?
1: Uh, so. Because
2: it's like a like... weirder. it's going to be a weird. I ordered taps. I thought about like trying to thread mill it, but then it oh, seemed like I, I couldn't do... find a ton of information on thread milling it. So
1: 832 in particular?
2: 832 so here... and 1032 is all I use.
1: Okay, so I can't say for, for 1032, but for 832, um, I just bought a helicoil kit from McMaster, came with the tap, came with the install tool and some helicoils. Yeah. I think it came with a drill, technically, too, but uh, by the time an 832 strips out, you can just run the helicoil tap through that hole without having to drill it out.
2: <laughs> I guess so I like could try perfect. that on, on one
1: of them. Yeah, and I uh, feel like with a 1032, you could probably do the same. I think if you start getting bigger, you may have to drill it eventually, but uh, for 832s, yeah, just send the tap through it. Also, well, we just do it with a drill by hand.
2: Well, just I've been using form taps, so I don't really worry about chips for so long. Um, when you tap anything in the mill, do you like do it in multiple passes or do you just send it?
1: Uh, you mean like like peck tapping?
2: Well, I remember when I was like having to... St- like When I would like tap uh, like 304 stainless, I would definitely tap it a little bit, or, well, I'd, I'd get, like, the thick, super thick lube, you know, put it on the hole, tap it, like, you know, part of the way, and, uh, have it, you know, back out, and then, like, you know, I'd, I'd take it in, like, three goes. I wouldn't just go to the full bottom of the hole.
1: Oh, so, so, peck tapping, essentially.
2: I guess so. I don't, I never knew a name for it. I mean, I guess it's, like, peck drilling.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, back when I was doing, like, triple lot 120 threads in titanium, we just... Drilled and sent a tap in it with standard coolant, and we'd get. I think I got over 10,000 holes on one tap at one point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would hope it's uh, it's fine. I'm just uh, tapping aluminum fixtures. Yeah, if you
3: don't go fast enough, you can kill the tap life in aluminum.
1: Yes, that too.
2: Oh, I always set it to like 500 RPM. Is that faster? That's fast or probably slow? too slow.
1: Yeah, really? Like, I tap it, I yeah. tap at 3000 RPM on the uh, on the Mighty Viper and on the brother.
2: Oh my god. See, I'm worried. I don't know like the specs of how fast the spindle can reverse or maybe it doesn't matter because it knows what it's doing. It just... I think it's so really,
3: like 3k or something.
2: Yeah. Not
1: sure. All you really have to worry about is like if you're going to do a faster tapping cycle on the first go, just set the tap depth a lot shallower than the hole. That way the spindle can't over rotate and bottom the tap out. And then once you know how much, you know, over travel you have, you can accommodate for that in the program.
3: Mm. that's true
2: i i do tend to drill deeper than i tap just in case Yes.
1: because like um, yeah on on my mighty and my brother i can i usually push my tap to about 10 or 15 thou above the whole depth but if i do that on my miltronics i break a tap every single time
2: oh okay huh i should uh i should kind of figure that out although i don't know how how would you do that like you get a bandsaw and cut it in half
1: uh no you um, can um you can take yeah. a screw zero on the length of the screw and then sh- and then you know thread it until it stops and then measure what's sticking out and you know how much thread depth you have.
2: Oh yeah, I I guess so. That makes sense. Yeah, I'll have to figure that out.
3: Yeah, I've also found like it depends on the material. Aluminum, you can basically get away with drilling to size to depth or whatever, and then setting in a form tap to the same depth, but a lot of it is, like, based on the tip of the form, form tab. Uh-huh. And then, like, is... Have you actually got your depth set correctly for all the, the drilling ops? And, like, is it modeled right. correctly type right.
1: thing? Yeah, the, the tip angle, things like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You like, at least on my machine, you can get it... On soft material, you can come close. Hard material, I would definitely give it some breathing room on the bottom.
1: Yeah. I I don't use form taps because we only tap our fixtures so i just buy cut taps so i always stick a little bit a a little bit higher yeah
2: now see i've been the opposite i've always used form taps because uh i thought they're kind of safer you know make stronger threads it's uh doesn't have cuts out of the actual tool itself so maybe it's a stronger tool um it's just that with the helicoil i'm buying their taps so you know i'm assuming they're i haven't gotten them yet but i'm assuming they're You know straight cut they're not even like helical cut taps
1: yeah no, they're they're just um they're just like plunge taps yeah oh or plug taps actually yeah they're plug taps so you have to grind the tip off a little bit if you want to get it bottomed out but uh i mean if are you planning to helicoil your fixtures from the get-go or just as a as a repair uh
2: i probably won't do it on existing fixtures until i feel like i need to it'll be more on New stuff, so, I'm messing with.
1: Okay, so but you're going to helicoil them from the get go on the new stuff.
2: On new stuff, I probably will, so I don't have oh, to have okay.
1: so, I four mean, yeah, different that...
2: tool holders set up. You know,
1: right? Then at that point, yeah, you'll it'd be best to do it in the machine. But if it's just like a field repair, I just do it by hand with a with a drill.
2: <laughs> like a you hand drill and then hand tap.
1: No, we a don't drill it. We just we just tap it because the hole's already there. Oh. It's re- just as a repair. Hmm. But usually a helicoil k- kit will come with a drill, and then you know what drill size you need so you can buy more. But there's also charts for it.
2: Yeah, I- I've seen the charts. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all. Uh, is Grant gone? I'm back.
1: Welcome back.
0: Thank you. Uh, uh, my yeah. headphones died, so I couldn't hear yeah.
1: anybody. <laughs> that's all good. Did you see the uh, my graveyard of like two weeks worth of T10s?
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, that sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah.
0: Yeah, lucky lucky for me, it was a used bit, so it died quite slowly. Like I like I was torquing it and I just bent the torque. Like it just turned into a spiral flip.
1: Oh, <laughs> what um what, what what bits do you use?
0: Uh that one I think was an unknown bit. I don't have a lot of T tens because we don't make T tens, and so
1: oh right. What about your T tens? That was just uh, T 15s are Weehaws. Weehaws. Okay, so I've tried, I tried the like gold, like 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 TICN coated hardened Weehaw bits, mm-hmm. and we were shattering them left and right. Oh, mm-hmm. they're
0: actually shattering.
1: Like like ours they were are, too hard.
0: Ours are just normal. Um, you know. Tool steel, whatever they are, they come in a little red okay. box.
1: Yeah, so all the bits we use now are from Weera, another really good German company. Yeah. Oh, um, but, tool. Yep, but they're they're all specifically for use in impact drivers. So I figured, yeah. oh, these have to be super tough, and,
0: and we're still softer, shattering probably. them.
1: They're a little bit softer, but they're softer, softer. But they're still <laughs> shattering is the thing. They're not like they're huh. not spiraling; they're shattering.
0: That's wild. Yeah, yeah. This one just like bent, and then what? Well, it bent, and then I kept going because I was like, I still need to tighten the screw. Or no, I was loosening it, a
1: screw. I
3: think. What are that. you guys doing? Yeah, mine torqued to up three newton
1: meters. Well, we're just this torquing was, to three newton meters. You sh- you sure
3: it, it's newton meters and it's not like, I don't even know. I, it's I can't newton it. kilometers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if this was
0: all unknown torque spec. This is Grant Arm torque spec because I was testing it, yep. out some new stuff. Uh, yeah. So I might have over uggadugged it.
1: Over ugadug. Over-ug-a-dug. Yeah, no, Oh, we all of these have broken in a three newton meter torque wrench. I'm sending a picture right now, so you can't tell me it's not three newton meters.
0: That they break in a three newton meter one? Yep. Dude. This thing right I'm here. So glad I don't use T tens. Well Yeah, T tens
1: can die. They can go away. Yeah. Yeah. So as yeah. they are.
3: Does this thing slip when it hits the, the right torque or does it click?
1: It's uh both. Like it 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 cam it, like cam ratchets.
3: And these it, are these it are continues T-tends to click.
1: Yeah.
3: Into a well, uh, no, this
1: it... one only clicks once. So like it'll oh. basically it lets all the force that built up until three newton meters. Once it hits three newton meters, it it's think of like a like a compound bow. When you pull the string back on the cam, once you get past that it, it you know, it's a lot less holding pressure.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The same thing, but on this.
3: These are going into steel or aluminum.
1: What well, you're
2: threading for it the into. screw, like so. It's a the steel the screws me. out of. Yeah,
1: no,
0: for I mean, our, what, for our what are you th- what are you threading it into? That's what I'm asking. Four sixteen, hardened steel. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, in my case, seventeen four H nine hundred. It's 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 for our no. pivots and pivot screws.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it, long story it, short, I want your pivots. T fifteen is best.
1: I will probably uh, probably me too. I want to send. I mean, I want to send then both of you guys like a small sample batch just to get your guys' opinions on it to make sure everything is good before I really start using them. Hmm. Um. So maybe I'll send some out next week or this this week maybe. Yeah.
0: Sweet. Sounds sounds good to me. You
2: gotta get a speeder for your speeder so you can supply everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Should so, we wrap it? Mean, up? We'll figure something out. Yeah, I think we're good. Thanks Alrighty. for listening, everybody. Yeah, Goodbye. Good night. Bye. I'm going to go strip more T10s and break more tools. You're going to strip? Yes. <laughs> uh,
2: all right. After now we really hours machine-wise. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. Bye, everybody. Good night. Bye. Maybe.